Hello and welcome to the Airline Business Podcast, discussing key news and trends in the global airline sector. This time, while its last call for Flyby and Flyer, the reopening of China and strong demand gives airlines much more hope for the summer ahead. But are airlines doing enough on staffing to ensure they can party like it's 2019? My name's Grand Dunn, and joining me as ever is airline business editor Lewis Harper. Hi, Lewis. Hi, Graham. How are you? Not bad at all. Not bad at all. We um, our first sort of real podcast of the year, and um, it's quite an interesting time. Almost quite a positive time for airlines, despite I suppose a, a sort of continued economic headwinds uh, surrounding it. Yeah, that, I think so far there doesn't seem to be much let up in the the narrative we've discussed before, which is you know the idea that despite those headwinds, a lot of airlines are still seeing bookings holding up really strongly in the um, in the first quarter, and we're, we're we're sort of midway through the the results season globally. We're about to start hearing, I think, some of the European big European carriers soon, but certainly so far the finances for the the last quarter of the year. We're kind of in line with the narrative we heard in the third quarter, which is a strong performance. And um, while clearly you, you know, the seasonality means that the last quarter probably won't yield quite quite as impressive results at face value, it's still, yeah, as you say, the, the most of the messaging is things are looking good. But having said that, we have uh, lost a couple of airlines in Europe over the past couple of weeks. Yes, absolutely. And of course, as stories and, you know, Headlines wise, they, they make very big news. And obviously for the people involved, directly involved, both customers and, and, and particularly those working for the island, they're, they're very big stories. But in fact, I guess in the broader picture, we lost Flybe, the UK regional airline, the kind of Flybe 2.0, I guess you'd call them, the uh, the initial version of which had, had collapsed before, just on the, on the eve of the, the pandemic. In fact, the pandemic had, had sort of kind of tipped it over. It was uh, the straw that broke the camel's back uh, in terms of the original Flybe operation. That carrier had resumed operations last year, but again, mounting challenges there brought it financial collapse and having to stop operations at the at the end of January. And for Flybe, I guess, on the one hand, I mean, it was always going to be difficult to to resume operations during the COVID. But to some extent, it, it feels like the wider issues, particularly around securing aircraft, were probably one of the major problems and probably an unforeseen problem that Flybe had to contend with. Yeah, there's certainly obviously economies of scale are really important with airlines, particularly startups, if they are hamstrung by by the situation we have now, where it's actually, you know, given where we were a year ago, it's surprising to be saying that it's it's tough to get get that capacity. Um, that's partly obviously because some airlines are holding on to aircraft, older aircraft for longer because the deliveries of new aircraft are delayed. We've got issues with maintenance of existing aircraft, which is grounding some aircraft for longer than expected. Obviously supply chain issues are within that and we've got um, also issues with the loss of staff at key manufacturers MRO providers etc that means these things are slower so yeah it's it's um when you when you look at fly B um, obviously the, the administrators gave that as one of the reasons I think for the um cessation of of operations was that the airline just just hadn't been able to get the aircraft in to fulfill its um schedules and reach that kind of a point where it, it really starts bringing in the money of course that that's an un, untested theory and I think going back to what you were talking about about you know what where flyby had, had come from 
you know, it's relaunched into market that the, the brand had left a couple of years earlier. Now, of course, we've had the pandemic in that time. So some carriers had picked up probably its most attractive routes in that intervening period. Obviously, as I say, with the caveat that the pandemic um, obviously had an impact on the amount of connectivity everywhere. So I think it kind of was on the back foot a bit to begin with, as you know, most airline startups are. But, you know, you, you add in those factors. So the fact that it was coming into a market that it left. So competitors had had a chance to pick up some of its, its, um, its attractive routes. But also it was launching into a market last year that was still in the early stages of you know coming out of the Omicron variant of uh, COVID-19. And, you know, the simple fact is that the, the UK domestic market, as Flybe's first kind of collapse showed, you know, this not a market that's very easy at all. No, absolutely. And uh, the other airline that we lost a couple of days later, which was forced to cease operations, another startup, Norwegian startup, Flyer, they'd been operating for a little over a year or so, uh, having, again, launched operations during the pandemic or since the pandemic. And again, probably there were signs that they were they were struggling. They, had, they were operating a dozen Boeing 737s, and they'd already parked up half of those over the winter period. There was a, a challenge there. They'd cut back their, their network in order to make the operation more sustainable. It's a very, the airline market is a very seasonal market, you know, for most airlines, especially any pointed towards leisure markets or holiday travel. They obviously make most of their money over the over the summer months. Uh, so Flyer was already up against it. It was working on a refinancing. And when that didn't come together, that they had to pull plug on their operations again. So you have two airlines collapsing within the you know within the space of a week in Europe it makes you know for a lot of headlines and a, a slightly disarming uh, narrative but let's I guess in the broader picture they are relatively small operations aren't they they are yeah so the impact capacity wise is pretty small I mean um, Flybe had I think nine dash eights in its fleet uh, as we talked about that lack of aircraft was perhaps one of the things really weighing on it. But um, and Flyer had uh, 12 737s. In the latter case, the Norwegian market is an interesting one because the um, you know when Flyer became an idea and when it was launched, kind of back in 2021, having been announced in 2020, of course, Norwegian itself, the airline, was in a much different position. It, it had retrenched pre-COVID, then was kind of in a sort of hibernation mode as COVID happened. And, you know, it looked like there was a hole in that market where, you know, Europe's big low-cost carriers haven't necessarily made big strides. And that maybe is part of the reason it's a challenging market because it's considered quite high cost with some of the airports and everything. But yeah, so at the time Flyer launched, it kind of, there was a bit of a hole in that market for a low-cost carrier, arguably. But, you know, then Norwegian came back quite strongly. Um, and it is now, you know, Norwegian's up towards its 70, 80 aircraft, whereas Flyer was on 12. And, you know, Norway it's not a huge country. Um, I think you know, the idea that it that it needed two low cost carriers is is probably debatable given what we see across the rest of the the region. Really, where you know it's kind of the market's dominated by those those big players or or the in some cases the low cost carriers at the the, the the big network groups. So yeah, you know, sort of like Flybe. Really, what's difficult to see from where they started to where they kind of finished really you know what what was hard to see is what really function they were playing in those markets so as you say and and looking at the competitive side of things so on a you know route by route basis in in flyers case that you know talking about norwegian sas is a big player despite its challenges in in norway and obviously in that the the, the region around norway but you know flyer wasn't you know flying any particularly unique routes or anything it was really up against those competitors 
you know, Flybe was seeking out what, what might be considered niche, domestic and regional routes. But again, they're up against huge players in some cases. And as an example, we know that Ryanair recently announced it was coming back into the UK domestic market. So, so yeah, they, they ne- never really got going. So when you, you, know, you talk about the impact this is going to have, that they have dropped out, I, I don't think it's huge. I think it's um, a story as old of time, as, as, as old as time in the airline industry, really, where a startups fail because there simply isn't that need in the, in the market and there are much stronger players, lower costs able to, to make it work, unfortunately. And I think it is noticeable, and as I say, it was very difficult circumstances for those airlines and, and those people working at those airlines. But, you know, generally speaking, you know, remarkably few airlines, while they've retrenched, you know, there have been very, very few airline failures and collapses. And especially if you compare it with the collapses of, of operators we saw after the financial crisis and some some time after that particularly around this time of year obviously a particularly challenging time for airlines where you had some very big names go out of business actually those large names uh, and partly because they you know many of them have seen financial support which has kept them going during the crisis pandemic related not quite giving them a clean slate but certainly giving them a a breathing space so you aren't seeing the same level of airline failures and collapses which is you know why i think fly being fly going within a few days of each other was very striking but actually the 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 narrative for for airlines generally uh, we talked about the result season that we've seen and pretty much every airline executive you hear talking at the moment is you know there's there's still caution in their words but they are generally saying you know trends yields bookings and demand remain strong everything they can see at the moment remains strong albeit they're all aware things could change and there's different market conditions and you know, adding to the sort of positive picture for, for airlines, you know, the last market which was out of reach for the network carriers, at least for international network carriers, China is coming back online. And, you know, it might be a slightly tentative step that carriers have made towards that, but we are starting to see airlines talking about return to that market, aren't we? We are. That, that is, you know, um, when we talked about what 2023 could bring that would make a big difference, obviously China reopening and was one of them and, it, and it's happened. Well, I think we always suspected it would happen quite, you know, overnight and quite suddenly, but maybe not quite as soon as it had, has, sorry. But when, when you look at the global data for, for the airline industry in 2022, um, you really get a sense of how yeah, the, the global industry can get so far, but without China, the, the overall data is always going to be um, depressed because it is such a huge market, um, both domestically and international. Um, as you say, the longer haul into China has always been a challenge for you know, Western carriers, for example. Um, I think they've struggled sometimes to make the secondary cities work. Uh, but, you know, there's still significant markets into the big hubs and some of the some of the other less familiar cities. But clearly, you know, regionally, uh, it's a huge deal for lots of the, the carriers uh, in countries around China that fly into that market for the Chinese carriers themselves as well. And also the domestic market in China, which, you know, it's not just China's reopened its borders, it's relaxing its zero COVID policy, which was weighing massively on, on the domestic travel, um, which, you know, actually had some of its worst months of the pandemic go towards the end of 2022 in terms of traffic. So it is it is a big deal. And it, it's... Um, you know, another reason actually for yeah quite a lot of optimism 
and the airline industry looking into uh, the rest of 2023. I think at the same time, um, it depends what you read, but certainly there are some indications that some of the economic indicators that, that are of concern are, are looking slightly better than expected in some cases, not always, but certainly signs that maybe inflation might be easing slightly. Clearly, the, the, the war in Ukraine is still um, a huge factor for specific airlines and for, for certain markets. And that's, again, coming back to China. We all know that European carriers um, are at a disadvantage in flying into Asia and China because they can't um, overfly Russian airspace, whereas there's that curious dynamic where Chinese carriers theoretically can at the moment. So that'll be something to watch in terms of competitive landscape. But yeah, it's it's yeah, we're talking about the failures, but they are small and compared with where we were a year ago, looking, you know, when Omicron had kind of um, really got everyone down, really having been, you know, a lot more optimism about the year ahead. It, it's looking okay. Of course, I'm probably tempting fate here, but 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 let's see. But it is certainly there are encouraging signs out there. There certainly are encouraging signs for the summer. After the break, we'll have a look at uh, whether airlines are doing enough and whether airports are doing enough to make sure they can make hay in the summer. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not sign up for our free weekly airline business briefing delivered directly to your inbox every Thursday. You can register to get our weekly briefings together with any of Flight Global's other newsletters for free at flightglobal.com forward slash newsletter. Welcome back. And before the break, we were talking about the promising signs for the summer ahead for the airline industry. But there have been some interesting comments, uh, particularly from United Airlines Chief Executive Scott Kirby, about how maybe that shouldn't be taken for granted, or at least airlines maybe need to do more to, to make sure they're ready to take advantage of that. Yeah, obviously, during the pandemic, there was a lot of talk of what's going to change coming out of, of COVID. And uh, a lot of the predictions wrong a lot of them you know still the jurors out but in many cases it feels like you know it's not unreasonable to say a lot of the industry feels like it's coming back uh, you know not unrecognizable from what it was in, in in 2019 but scott kirby is you know as you say come out and he's turning into really interesting chief executive to, to watch and globally really he's got some really interesting thoughts on a number of issues but he's basically come out and said that his competitors are in denial about you know what he's calling a a kind of significant structural change um, in the industry and one of the biggest to happen for some time. And it, it basically, not it's not entirely new. We, we've talked about um, Carsten Spohr's comments on on the, the kind of supply side constraints that he saw as a feature of the industry going forward. And, and Kirby kind of is kind of focusing on that in, in some ways. Um, so he, he's basically saying that his competitors in the in, um, US haven't kind of cottoned on to the fact that you can't operate in the way that you you could pre-COVID because of these what he calls multiple constraints on on the industry. One that's obviously had a high profile for some time in the US is the pilot shortage there. But he talks about a wider workforce constraint um, and basically saying that airlines need to have a higher baseline staffing level to meet the same schedule that they that they would have done in 2019. That again, maybe some factors that that are unique to the, to the US or not unique, but certainly not relevant to all markets. But he says that state legislation has made it easier for workers to call in sick. Um, and that comes amid, you know, COVID is still spreading. And so there's already quite a high sickness level. And yeah. Just on that sickness point, it is quite interesting, isn't it? Because running an airline is a really 
you know it's not something you can do from home you know as a mm. as a job is a really practical one so you know i think it's quite an interesting one around around sickness as well that probably culturally there's now more of a an onus to work from home or uh, you know steer clear of people if maybe you've got uh, a cold or you know any possible symptoms but but that element is is even more pronounced for airlines in terms of of covid if you're trying to keep that in check just because it is such a hands-on sector exactly yeah and it's um both yeah exactly you're you're dealing with with passengers so if you're walking around and obviously have you know a cough or your nose is running whatever it's um it's um not a good look it wasn't a good look pre-covid and clearly um it's not something you want um necessarily to be happening um you can't you today. you you can't run an airline from a team's call or uh, or a zoom call can you exactly and as you say for some you know like us included i guess it's sometimes easy to forget that and in the same way you don't want someone to come in and give covid to an entire crew who then you know the knock-on effect is is obviously very significant so yeah it's um it's a big deal and i guess he he believes it's uh, as Combined with those um, laws on 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 sick leave, it you know, means that it needs to be more fundamental in airline thinking going forward. And and within that, of course, we've also had a lot of people leave the industry. So you know the workforce that is there now. And again, we're hearing a lot about um, whereas airlines or the wider sector is staffing up much more strongly now, hoping to overcome some of the challenges we've seen before. But still, that means a lot of staff are, are not necessarily. Um, you know, up to speed or, or as experienced as those that came before. And I think, as you've heard, that that's not, as I said, that's not just airlines, is it? No, absolutely. Um, uh, I was in a, at a UK airports event in the last few days, which John Holland Kay, the uh, chief executive of uh, Heathrow Airport, who is, in fact, uh, it's been announced is going to be standing down later this year. And Heathrow obviously came under, under the microscope and it has, you know, from a pure numbers perspective, you know, I think uh, they would say they're well prepared for this summer ahead. Uh, they crossed the companies at the airport there. They've recruited something like 20,000 staff over the last sort of 15 months or so since the, the lowest points of the crisis. And that they're, they're only 5,000 short of the, the pre-pandemic levels, which, you know, I think plan to get to in, in the coming months. But what he did acknowledge was that you know, it is difficult. You you're trying to replace people who have worked, you know, who were working had 20, 25, 30 years experience, and you can't change that overnight. And that is an issue being replicated, um, you know, across industries. Just getting that level of experience, you know, will take time to come back. And you know, I think that's another factor, another reason Kirby's comments are interesting in terms of airlines have to factor in a bit more. A bit more in terms in terms of staff levels to because because you, you have lost experience you know not not exclusive to this really, all sorts of industries have have lost experience and you know the aviation sector is a is a pretty cutthroat one the airline one is a, a pretty cutthroat one and you know it's going to take uh, you know I'm not sure the world is quite ready to pay staff more to be able to bring them back in to, to sort of fast track through there are lots of other um, you know attractive um, and, and certainly in aviation, we've seen 
ground handling in particular has been a very hard hit segment you know that's a pretty physical and and, and sometimes difficult uh, hours job and uh, you know maybe that during the crisis people found other ways less arduous uh, ways of earning earning money so you know it's going to take a long time to to both bring that workforce back and also to replace the staffing levels or the staffing experience that accrued during that so what i thought was really interesting from kirby and united are you know he is pitching himself as a both himself and united as a, a sort of very proactive dynamic uh, airline you know they united and fairness have had a fair bit of ground to make up probably on its on its rivals so they've been they followed a very conservative course over the past 10 years or so mm. and and so kirby does position himself as a kind of a proactive thinker on this and someone who's trying to challenge what they did before in united you know in capacity terms and pretty much every activity is is really active but i think it is interesting because we haven't heard that many airline executives talking about what they're going to do above and beyond what they were pre-COVID. Yeah, I think this is what really stands out. It, it, exactly, yeah, as I said said before, yeah, we're, we're back to the um, routine of decent summer profits last year, and then not quite as good in 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 the winter and and all this. But yeah, there aren't many people kind of putting their head above the parapet. Is that the phrase? And um, I think it is. Yeah, hopefully we can edit that out. Um, uh, and then, uh, and actually, you know, talking about how how things have changed, and it's quite brave to do that. Clearly, because particularly if you're saying all your rivals are wrong, because you could look a bit <laughs> silly in a few months. But but certainly, when he talks about the real, you know, the real world impacts of these things, we kind of seen them to an extent. So there have been some operational meltdowns in the U.S. market in, in recent weeks, and and Kirby's view is they are exacerbated by by not having that inbuilt extra level of staffing and losing that experience. Um, so yeah, that, that's interesting. And beyond that, of course, he he. And again, this is something Explorers talked about that you know, manufacturers are struggling to meet delivery targets on aircraft, on engines, and on on parts. So that is having a um, when you talk about whether the you know the airline industry can keep growing at the rate it has been. You know, Kirby's view is that is another constraint on that. Um, but he also talks about technology as well. We saw the, the meltdown in ATC in in, in the US in, in in recent weeks. Um, and he talks about you know the technology and the infrastructure just cannot be relied upon, and it hasn't been invested in when it should have been over recent years. Again, when the the industry was having a, a great run of profits towards the end of the last decade, you know maybe that's the kind of time we'd expect these things to be done, but they clearly weren't. So so he, he again believes that that technology is a constraint on growth. Of course, he will say that United saw this coming and has been doing everything that um, the rivals haven't. So they have been investing in that technology. They, or Kirby reckons they need 10% more pilots and 5% more aircraft to match the same level of pre-pandemic capacity in the schedule. So it's it's really interesting. And as I say, something we'll see play out over the coming months. He's, as I say, he's not alone in this view. He, the way he has presented it is clearly slightly different to what we've heard before. But also, I think with Ed, um, Joseph Ferrari there, and that's obviously in a, a low-cost market in a different region, talked about that resilience as being really important and a, a kind of really, again, a fundamental change. Yeah, absolutely. Wizard was a, a little scarred. It had it was among the more challenged uh, of carriers in terms of the some of the operational delays last summer in Europe. Wizard had been expanding very rapidly. It was forced to scale that back a little bit. It's still expanding, um, but not quite at the same pace it had originally planned. And and that was to 
it recognised it needed to to put more resilience into into the model. And you know, for a low cost carrier, killer one that is, I mean, Wiz is probably one of the the closest and truest observers to the old school classic no frills model. And in particular, aircraft turnaround and efficiency rates is is obviously. Uh, absolutely uh, central to that and the, the utilization of them and if you're going to operate new aircraft which you know operate more efficiently and so forth but, but you know you've got to pay for, for the new aircraft coming in you do you need to run them at, at a high utilization rate you have to be able to do that now that with its results is very clear about its ambition to get its utilization rates its punctuality rates its load factors back to pre-pandemic levels uh, this summer and you know, you have to ensure there's enough robustness and reliability in the system so that there there are going to be delays. And, you know, there are lots of things that could upset stuff. You know, even if airports have got staffing levels back, even if ground handlers are back to kind of levels which can handle the lightly travel demand this summer, you have all the things that were a struggle <laughs> in mm. the system beforehand, whether that be uh, air traffic delay, something certainly in Europe they are aware of the brace of and, and Euro control have already flagged the issue that they have that as traffic demand comes back, you know, if you got to 100% traffic demand today in Europe, they'd be having to manage that with, you know, maybe 80%, 90% of the of the airspace because Russia is, uh, isn't open. So, you know, straight away you have those kinds of challenges and that's even before you get to potential labour impact, industrial action and stoppages, which, you know, given where inflation is and given the, the various industrial relations across you know, many countries at the moment, I think we would probably be anticipating challenges ahead on that. Yeah, that's why I think it's still early in the year. But if we, we're looking at what themes are going to be the most interesting ones, I think, for, for airlines, I do think your resilience, if we're looking at words beginning with R, I guess 2022 was was really recovery and it feels like we're moving into an era now where you know it's all going to be about resilience because i think if we you know if we're heading into the northern hemisphere summer and we quickly start getting stories again about um you know whether it's at the airport whether it's a, the airlines themselves ground handlers whatever are, are struggling in some markets you know and, and kirby turns out to be right that the industry hasn't cottoned on to this properly certainly in some markets then the industry is going to have to brace itself for some pretty bad press and pretty upset customers because I think while there would have been a degree of, of sympathy for the for the industry last year coming out of you know essentially shutting down for 18 months or whatever and then going back up to what is it 60 70 percent capacity almost you know in the space of a few weeks it's there is a degree where I think people had a bit of goodwill towards the industry but if it doesn't show that resilience this year and that that doesn't just mean yeah, that's forgetting the the kind of big events like the FAA challenges we've seen in the US, weather-related challenges um, and things like that. You know, it, it, it's going to be a long year, I think. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It was summed up actually. The uh, the head of um, Edinburgh Airport, uh, Gordon Jew, I thought summed up quite well. He he was asking, really, we just need a really boring summer. <laughs> they need airports need. Uh, and he wasn't talking about Edinburgh specifically there, but just airports in general and air transport after the last summer, after everything that has happened, just mm. need a 
a year of predictability. That's really what, what everyone would be uh, in the air transport airlines and airports alike would be hoping for this summer. We shall wait and see. Well, maybe not journalists. I don't know. <laughs> no, we don't want it to be boring. There's nothing to write no. about then. But, but, yeah. but, but not boring. It's happy if it's positive, but uh, we, can, uh, we could do about a period of uh, negative developments, definitely. <laughs> yes, yes. We'll take positive. We just don't want boring. Um, <laughs> Lewis, we'll leave it there. Thank you for your time. Cheers, Graham. So that's all we've got time for. You can find links to the stories we have referenced in the podcast notes, and you can keep up to date with all the latest stories from across the industry at flightglobal.com. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review. Don't forget to subscribe, and we'll see you again next time.